the EWN 2019 Elections Desk. In touch, in June and in elections. Hello and welcome to Politics Spitty Pity, an EWN podcast series on the politics shaping this year's elections. My name is Clement Magnatella and I'm with Teto Mashakwana. Today we are discussing youth participation in the elections. Political parties are working hard to get young people to come out and vote next month. But according to the Citizens Survey, more than 4.5 million eligible South African youngsters have no plans to vote. So they may have heeded the call and registered to vote, but that doesn't mean that they will actually come out to cast their ballots. So today we sit down with 25-year-old activist Mpo Ndaba, a scholar of international relations, media and development, Lwapeshea Koza, who is from the Youth Policy Think Tank, Youth Lab and political analyst and EWN contributor Sam Mkokeli. Guys, thank you so much for taking part in this discussion and we value your time. The The first question I think we would like to start with, not that you're a woman, but you're excited that you are. Um, <laughs> I met a lot of males. Um, Loazi, you worked on the Youth Manifesto. Um, could you, would you please just break down what is detailed in that document? Okay, so the work around the Youth Manifesto, basically what what drove us to compile and write the Youth Manifesto was we felt as though political parties, um, the system of politics in South Africa is very top down, it's got a very top down approach and there's no level of consultation between broader communities and political parties and for you to access a politician you, you need to go through the party itself and there are so many like red tapes um so what we then did was we basically had consultations within the entire country and we tried to get young people to tell us what they want from politicians what they want um leading into 2019 elections what they want post 2019 elections so that they're also able to hold um whichever party wins um state power accountable in terms of the demands that they wanted so after um we after the consultations we then wrote a book compiled it it's got four priorities that mm. um basically um are what we deemed as important and what we found as important from all the nine consultations mm. then we presented those to members of parliament from various parties prior to um them launching their own manifestos so um the south african youth manifesto has informed a lot of political party manifestos um leading into elections because we presented it to them last year in october so we're hoping that they take into consideration what young people are saying from every sphere of life really mm. And, and and Paul, let's speak to you now. As a 25-year-old, do you feel that most of these political parties campaigning are actually speaking to you and your issues? Um, thank you, Clement, for the question. I, I like getting personal because I think, you know, we always say that the political is, is also quite personal. So mm. as, a, as a young black bisexual man in South Africa, 25-year-old, mm. um, I, I don't feel like there's a conversation taking place around gender sexuality, you know, particularly in terms of the changes that the political parties would want to advance, right, mm -hmm. post um, the elections. Um, you know, one thing that I am really passionate about and that I'm really interested in is reforming the education policy to really include and humanize um, queer people and non-gender conforming people. So that's one immediate thing. But when I, when, when I think of South African state, in the global sense, there are things that concern me as a young person, you know, climate change. Um, when, when you look at um, some of what, what the political parties are saying, they seem to be really advocating for things that would take South Africa forward, right, in terms of what already exists. But in terms of what 
um, the response of a post, uh, just the post elections South Africa towards climate change would be there isn't much critical engagement on that. There's, you know, mentioning energy policy, uh, but there's emphasis on continuing with the, the energy mineral um, industrial complex as it exists today. So those are some of the things that are important to me. And I don't think um, the manifestos spoke to me in, in that sense. Um, yeah, so I am registered to vote, but I, I won't be voting. Um, oh, wow. Is that the case with you, Lazi? Um, I'm still hopeful, mm. so I will be voting. <laughs> okay. um, but that could change between now and the 8th of May. Because no. it's tough, guys. I mean, I think, let's be real, because I'm, I'm also, I'm registered to vote. I'm struggling mm. to decide which party I'm going to vote for. Yeah. It's a big struggle. And even amongst a group of my friends, mm. they don't know who they want to vote for. Mm. And my worry is the 8th of May is going to come and you're going to wake up and you still don't know and you're going to end up staying in bed. Yeah, the weather yeah. also allows. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, you bring, can you bring Sam? Sam, could you, could you just break down whether the, 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 the reflections shared by Loazi and Mpo are a true reflection of either the messaging that is coming out of the political parties mm. uh, geared towards young people or whether it's it's more just based on perceptions and, and not necessarily what is out there. Look, generally, uh, manifestos uh, are not uh, very helpful uh, when you're going to any, any election. Mm. Uh, it's an academic process, mm. and uh, people who read them are really academics uh, in the true sense of the word. Uh, people who uh, are stimulated by intellectual uh, uh, debates. So the political parties write uh, these manifestos knowing exactly uh, that that is the case. So they're going through uh, the motions and they could slap mm. together an, an, a manifesto that uh, was published uh, 10 years ago and very few people would spot mm. uh, the, the differences. Mm. So South Africans uh, and their politicians are used to this uh, kind of uh, a campaigning where there isn't a genuine uh, engagement uh, on policy. And uh, if you look at I mean, the biggest party, the ANC, it will uh, come out and, uh, and it's got an incredible uh, infrastructure that allows mm. it to reach every uh, corner in, in South Africa, sending uh, the same message, really, that it's a party that liberated uh, South Africans. Uh, there's the liberation uh, uh, dividend and uh, only they mm. uh, can take uh, South Africa forward. As a result of that, it, it fails to appeal uh, to the people who were born uh, after 76 yeah. and then you come yeah. to the next uh, a generation of people who were born around uh, before and after uh, 94 mm. who will not really respond uh, to a message about uh, coming from uh, the National Liberation Movement it's, uh, and uh, what uh, it, it stands for. The, the numbers are quite scary, uh, quite mm. frankly, when you look at uh, If you're talking about five million people possibly and not voting and not being registered. We have to go further than that. And you look at the number of uh, people who are not engaged uh, at all. And uh, the, uh, the number it could be about uh, 10 million people mm. who could uh, vote and are not registered mm. uh, to vote. What helps us is that there is a, a greater participation in South Africa compared to established uh, and macho uh, democracies. Mm. And our turnout tends to be high uh, generally. So we sort of lulled into believing that uh, our democracy is good and that there's no apathy. Mm. People are taking part. But you have to watch the people not uh, at the center, people at the periphery. Uh, of, uh, of, of our politics. And these are people who are often uh, unemployed. And if, mm. if you look at unemployment uh, numbers, mm. youth unemployment, 
above 50% yeah. in, in, in most places. Mm. Places removed from Johannesburg. Take PE. PE has got about 50% uh, unemployment, youth unemployment. And it's an industrial center. Yes. Yeah. Now you have to think of a city like uh, uh, Mahikeng Pulugwane. And you start imagining what is going on there. So there is a huge risk in the next cycle or two in our evolution of our electoral politics. You know, I wanted to pick up on the issue of the manifesto. I mean, sometimes they're like these thick documents, like 55 pages, 40 pages. How accessible and digestible are they for us young people? Because I don't want to sit down and read at a 50-page document. Um, but also, Lazi, I want you to reflect also on the consultative process as well. Because as a young person, why must I go and engage with the manifesto of a party when I know that they haven't taken my views into consideration? The ANC has, what, over a million or so members? And they decide what goes into a manifesto that is going to represent 57 million people. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I feel disengaged and I feel like I wasn't consulted. Therefore, why must I even care to watch and read your promises? So with regards to the first question, are our manifestos accessible? Are they reader friendly? Mm. No, they are not. Um, it, in order for you to access a manifesto, first of all, you need to go through like so many links and websites and, 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 and I mean, I think this year's elections have proven to be far better and far easier because there's social media, so they'll just tweak the link and whatever the case might be. But back then, um, for elections analysis, you'd have to literally go and dig into certain files and you have like a 170 page document basically with nothing mm. um, and you're meant to use that in order to critique and in order for you to make an informed decision. Mm. So um, I think with regards to also what Sam said, they really, they really do, it's, it's just to tick the box that, no man, we did it, but there's no actual effort into the manifesto. So um, I agree with what he said in terms of it, it, the process of manifesto writing has really become a tick box and it, it shouldn't be because um, if I am a South African citizen who potentially does not align to any political party mm. and I want to know what you stand for, I need to make an informed decision and you need to inform me. So if your document is not one cut straight to the point and um, inviting for me to read, then I'm not going to do it. So mm. I, I really think also... Um, the manner in which political parties convey their information mm -hmm. has been very problematic. Mm -hmm. The messaging is very problematic. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's, it's extremely elitist as well. All political party manifestos are written in English. Mm -hmm. If I am a Tsonga voter, I'm, I will only get a Smalayana A4 that's written in Tsonga and everything else, I whatever else was written, I don't receive and I don't get. So I really think that there needs to be a true restructuring mm -hmm. of messaging and manifesto writing within political parties in order for them to actually do what they're meant to do, which is inform people. Yeah, Lozzy, the I, I like the fact that you mentioned how it was so easy to find the link on Twitter, right? How many South Africans are on Twitter? That's the question. Um, it's, it's not near enough. It's mm -hmm. not even close to half the population, which is in itself problematic. And True. it, it mm -hmm. ties into what Sam is saying, that you have uh, 
massive numbers of people who are marginalized, who are not in the in the public discourse, who are not being discussed with very important aspects mm. of the South African life. And those people are therefore left out. Yeah. And I think that's the point you also try to make, yeah. that as a bisexual South African, you do not find in any way any, any of the promises that are contained in these manifestos or even in the campaigns as yeah. they stand on, on, on podiums to, to preach to you what they are about, yeah. uh, directed at you. But I wonder then if the EFF manifesto, which has been praised for being so inclusive of yeah. a lot of um, LGBTI issues, yeah. was in any way relatable to you. So I think, I mean, at the personal level, I, it would be difficult to... I mean, there are great people who, who are within the EFF and who would do great work, right? And who have history of focusing on sexual and reproductive justice, for an example. I know Dr. Tlaleng has made it public that yes. she's in the EFF, and I think that's incredible. Um, however, I, I think I, I, I'm, I'm able to separate the party and the individual views that members hold. I mean, for an example, there was a lot of uh, engagement on Twitter, for an example, where um, a lot of queer people were asking the EFF um, about their stance on, on these issues prior to, to, to this time that we're in now. Mm. It took very long time. Mm. Um, but also I think one uses their own personal experiences where you know that you've engaged uh, these people on private spaces and you know what, what they stand for, mm. right? So when you say that it's, it's, it's a matter of ticking boxes, I, I completely agree. You know, I, I wonder whether post-elections um, what would happen, you know. But I also want to really talk about messaging because I think they are quite connected. When you look at the EFF, for an example, um, there's a, you know, one can argue that there's an exploitation of genuine issues, right? Mm. Um, it's easy to, to want to really vote for them if you're going to look at the history of South Africa being a black person. It's quite easy to come to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, the ANC with the language, right, the, you know, liberation movements, it's for me as a young person, and that's my biggest thing. Like, I hate it when they emotionally manipulate and try mm. to, like, say, use language, memory, and history mm. to say, oh, you must vote for us. Why Involve must I vote for you? the ancestors. Why must I vote for you? And the DA, I mean, I, I think they're trying to oh, you know, like, take their tuna. position globally, <laughs> trying to draw connections with what's happening yeah. in the West. But I think, generally speaking, um, it's very hard at a personal level, but I think you know, if, if we had to solely look at the manifestos, yes, you would be correct to mm. say that, you know, if we had to look at, you know, queer-related issues, mm. sexual health and reproductive mm. justice, the EFF might be the best possible party to vote for. Mm. Mm. I, I want to pick up on that point about being emotionally blackmailed. Mm. Um, we, we did the, a podcast with Teto and we spoke to the elders. Yeah. Uh, we spoke to Mavusum Simang, Barbara Masekela and, and Mephi Morobe. And they were actually saddened that there's actually young people out there who are saying they're not going to vote. And we were trying to understand from their perspective. <laughs> they were so saddened. We were trying to understand they from were. their perspective. And they told of what they had to go through. And I know it's cliche mm. and it's, oh, yes, they but always tell us that. But it's not quite cliche, huh? Clement, if, if, if one is to reflect honestly. Um, for a 78-year-old woman mm. like Barbara Masekela, right, mm. who can 
relive their entire history through a prism of having been oppressed, having yeah. lived through mm-hmm. it, and having witnessed their grandparents not being able to vote. Mm. Um, she, she, she told us about how her father, at the age of 82, voted for the first time in 1994. And, and obviously, given the years, you realize that the person could not have lived to vote again. Mm. So the, the sentiment is, is genuine. Mm. But, of course, when it's applied narrowly, I think that's where the problem comes in, where you fail to take the issues that young people are raising today in South Africa and put them in in tandem with that historical reflection because we cannot be without our past, Mm -hmm. but still be able to say, um, this is where we are, it's not where we should be, Mm -hmm. uh, but this is how we can go forward. Sam, what are the issues that you think should be in these manifestos? addressing specifically the needs of South African youth? Look, South Africa has a huge uh, crisis when you, when you look at uh, the current uh, economic uh, uh, setup. Uh, we're in deep trouble. Uh, our debt, uh, public debt has spiraled, uh, almost uh, out of uh, mm. control. And uh, we have been uh, living through a band-aid uh, type of uh, policies and uh, responses. Then we experienced uh, the Zuma years and they were very uh, difficult and uh, destructive and mm. in, in, in so many ways. Right now, it's going to be very difficult for anyone who, who becomes a president, or is going to be Mr. Ramaphosa, uh, to <laughs> oh. do anything imaginative uh, about uh, where we are. Mm. Uh, when you look at uh, our social and the economic needs, and uh, they're huge, they've got huge uh, backlogs. Education uh, in the skills realm is... Uh, quite an important uh, area. We need more investment mm-hmm. uh, in the education system and make sure that it is uh, very effective. And we have a high uh, dropout rate uh, uh, in the school uh, system. That is uh, problematic and th- th- it leads to other social uh, problems and uh, drugs in, in society, the criminality. The other one is the social welfare uh, system itself mm-hmm. and we tend to praise it. There is no new thinking about uh, whether or not uh, it's uh, sustainable uh, quite frankly, it keeps uh, people out of uh, the poverty trap. Uh, for example, at 410, uh, it's 480 rands, the child granted, it goes a long way uh, mm-hmm. in making sure that uh, people get uh, justice and, and are protected uh, uh, from um, poverty. But it, it, it is a trap on its own because mm-hmm. if you don't have uh, the skills to get out of that situation, yeah. you're going to have to wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get out of the child uh, grant and you're a teenager and you're never going to get a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will only get out of poverty when you become a, a senior citizen at age 60, mm. then you get the, uh, the, the, the old age grant, grant 1,800 rands uh, rounded off. So we need a new kind of uh, thinking about uh, the skills that we have. Even those uh, that uh, do get to higher education and uh, the, the kind of qualifications mm. uh, that uh, we're getting, we're not producing uh, the right skills uh, for uh, our economy. Mm. So we're not going to get out of the situation uh, very fast and we're really creating an army. Uh, of people who are unemployable uh, generally. We've got so many problems and the economic aspect of it is not uh, at the centre of uh, the, the debates. No. And yet it, this is actually where the problem uh, primarily primarily is. Mm-hmm. Lozzy, as Youth Lab, having engaged with the young people, were you able to gauge why most of them are either not interested in politics or are possibly not going to be voting this year? Um, were you able to sort of gauge the mood um, on that front, because Mavusum Simang made an argument that sometimes it's because they can't see and find good role models um, in politics. Like you look at our political leaders, Bosasa, 
it's corruption all over. Mm. Um, do, do you think that's one of the things that the people are concerned about and that's why they feel so disaffected and they sort of take a position that they won't be voting? You know, Clement, before you ask this question, I actually like wrote one line that just mm. has always resonated with me, especially during this election period. Young people have a, our mindset is set on nothing for us without us. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So if I'm a young black person and if I'm a young black woman mm. and I'm going to be partaking in an election process that does not benefit me in mm. any way, mm. why, would I st why would I do that? And um, with regards to the whole sentiment around voting and elections um, and how it's a freedom that was fought for so much and, and, and my question has always been, if we had fought, if you had fought for it to that extent and to that degree, yeah. why are we still voting for the same people 25 years yeah. later? Mm -hmm. Because honestly, if we're saying that we're a country that is progressing and we're a country that is moving, we can't still be stuck on the same leaders. And mm -hmm. that is where young people are, right? Um, we feel as though... We're not, we're not sitting at the table. Mm. And so we're on the menu and we're being chowed constantly. So let's remove ourselves completely. But what um, about the agency of young people? Uh, uh, you'll pick up the also. Like, because yeah. someone, uh, one, one young person said to me, but don't take away my agency to decide yeah. that I want to vote or I'm or not. not voting. Because yeah. if I feel I'm this process was without me and I don't have confidence in it, then allow me and, and, and allow me that opportunity to also decide and say, actually, not this year, maybe True. in the next five years. Because also, then if things fall apart and they say there was a 37% youth population that voted, yeah, can be like, oh, so not you are part of the shambles. <laughs> so so it's, we legitimize things that we see as illegitimate. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, there's a range of issues that come up. Uh, you know, the question of the, the fact that Africa as a continent has the youngest population mm. and the UN does predict that it's going to rise and it lead mm. globally by 2050 or 2030, mm. for an example. And South Africa, it's the case. Even when you look at the potential voters, right, eligible voters, it's mostly young people. So... It brings the question of participation, right? What does participation look like mm -hmm. um, at the part, at the level of political party parties? There's a there's a need to reform for political parties to reform themselves, right? I mean, the EFF, you know, really can. Again, we keep on having these examples that are closer to where we want to go. Mm -hmm. The EFF is closer to where we want to go in terms of young people and their participation. Yeah. Um, the ANC does have to really do a lot of work in terms of including young people, right? Mm. But that doesn't mean that the, there's going to be changes in terms of the kind of ideologies and the kind of ways in which um, this party's belief society ought to be organized. Um, we've, we see this at, at the level of uh, universities, for an example, where um, the same ideas on which these political parties are founded and built trickle down and you, you, you essentially get to groom young people within the political parties to go on to take position of positions of power. So I don't think leaving it at participation is enough. We need to critically imagine or reimagine what South African society mm. ought to look like mm. and, and, and go beyond that. Because, yes, we're going to have young people who are going to be in those positions, but what if, right, what if it's... It's people who have the same ideas and values. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, a, it's an important one, um, but we also need to broaden it 
beyond political parties. You mm, know, what, what, how do we even like trying to think of numbers? Because a lot of these discussions are centered on numbers and young people. You know, how do we think of participation? Is it only within the levels of political parties? Is it only, are we only going to quantify that or value that through elections? What about the other times when there aren't elections? How are we having these, these discussions around mm. youth participation and democracy and just, you know, thinking about where South Africa is going as a, as a state? Mm. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the student dynamics as well, because um, I don't know, Sam, if you've made the same observation, that there, there hasn't been an intricate link that we've managed to, to put down to the participation that we see, for example, in institutions of higher learning, mm. where you have a lot of young people coming out to vote, of course, because those are issues very close to home. Those are issues related to accommodation, to meals, and and very direct um, issues that, that involve their everyday lives. How is it that you know you see the kind of outcome in in the student elections, for example, for SRCs, mm. um, and, and some people have mentioned the fact that maybe it's because a lot of it is done through technology. You can just sit in front of your machine and, and cast your your ballots, and it's done. But I think there could be another layer to it where we we can possibly just explore how it is that what we see in in the universities, the technicons and TVs could translate into the level of engagement that we'd like to see young people having in broader society? Look, it's going to be interesting when you get the results and just to see if there's any correlation between uh, student uh, activism and mm. uh, and uh, political party uh, movements, mm. uh, developments. And I've watched over the years a few anecdotes uh, with uh, changes and political power and political structure and how it's linked uh, to uh, uh, political parties. I mean, the Democratic Alliance, when it was growing in PE, mm -hmm. uh, you had uh, the, its student association yeah. uh, so, yes. uh, gaining power mm -hmm. in PE in, in a couple mm -hmm. of years later. Mm -hmm. uh, people started accepting that it's okay yeah. uh, for young people, uh, mainly black people, to be mm -hmm. associated yeah. uh, with uh, the DA. Eventually, the DA was a strong enough force uh, to yeah. be the biggest party uh, after the ANC, when the ANC fell below 50% in PE, then mm. the coalition government uh, uh, took place mm. uh, in PE. So I'm watching carefully the, the EFF and uh, mm. its, its growth in uh, KZN when it comes to student yes. movement yeah. and, and, and to Johannesburg to see if that translates uh, to uh, good numbers uh, in, the, in, the, in the coming election. But the issue with the student politics is that the students have a vested interest mm. uh, in the student politics itself. Yes. Mm. So it's, you sort of are delink it from uh, your normal politics because mm. you're voting for something that's really in front of you. Mm. Uh, it might, be, ha might have to do with uh, the curriculum, uh, student accommodation, uh, fees and uh, inequality uh, at, at, at university. So that's delinked uh, from uh, the life and the official life uh, of our politics and, uh, and officialdom uh, that is associated uh, with uh, our politics. And South Africans uh, should be worried about it. I mean, if I was a politician uh, or a strategist, I would be worried about uh, what's uh, going mm -hmm. on and looking at the numbers of people uh, who are disengaged. Uh, there is a huge risk uh, to our democracy already that we've had 25 years and you have not had a, a change in power. Mm -hmm. Democracies mature when you experience a change in power mm -hmm. and then the losers go back to yeah. the opposition benches yeah. and they use the very same system uh, to regain uh, power. Yeah. So we have not experienced that uh, at, at a national uh, level. Mm. So you're getting now huge numbers of people who are disengaged and they are not in their private 
normal lives, some of them we're seeing anecdotes of people who are not uh, acting in a democratic manner mm -hmm. to resolve uh, basic uh, conflicts, mm -hmm. and you are seeing uh, vigilantism. Yes, uh, you saw what was happening uh, around uh, Alex. Mm. People would rather demonstrate and uh, violently sometimes mm. instead of using the ballot uh, to vote. So there is a growth. Uh, in our society, in our, in our body politic, uh, of a character that is uh, undemocratic. Mm, so yeah. with the unemployment inequality problems that we have, we have this powder keg uh, that is sitting there and it's actually, it can be used uh, to have a massive blow up mm. at the system itself and not necessarily at, at the, the politicians. It's the, the middle class, uh, it's uh, the political and economic uh, establishment. The, our economic political structure doesn't work for many people mm. uh, in South Africa. And it's not about to work in, within the next uh, 10 years or so. So there is a huge risk uh, mm. around these things. Mm. The, the, I think we, we should actually pick up from, from where Sam mm. left off because even your earlier comment around the economy being the biggest question right now, yet we, we don't speak about it enough, we do not interrogate enough where our footing is as young people within the economy, right? And the I think one of the most compelling adverts that I've seen recently, or even just uh, a Twitter video, I've seen one from an entrepreneur who says that he's driving past and all he sees are these posters of political parties promising one thing and one thing only, mm. and that is jobs. And he starts questioning where exactly these jobs are going to come mm. from. Mm. And he says, obviously, it will not be coming from the government. It will not be coming from SOEs. Mm. It, it will be coming from small business. And that's the one place where there has been little focus, lack of... Um, you know, clear and, and consistent policy, mm -hmm. even implementation of existing policy. Mm -hmm. um, young people talk of red tape and bureaucracies and so mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. how, how is it that you are, are you know, processing the economics of, of the day and where your place is, Lazi? Well, when you're looking at um, the jobs question, right, and how there's been a, f a focus and a shift on like small and medium sized enterprises to create those jobs, um, I'd just like to take us back to last year yeah. when the president gave us the youth employment scheme slash scam. Mm. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean... Well, we're still, we're still waiting. Yeah. And those of us who work in the youth sector will tell you that that entire system around employment lays solely in the hands of the top five of the JSE mm -hmm. and they're not going to employ us. Yeah. Rest assured. The, the jobs Can they employ you though? Are you employable? Um, we are. We're qualified. We we are tweeting every day that retweet for employment. Mm -hmm. Hashtag job hunting SA, right? Lovely, so, but on a realistic, sorry, I think realistic is the wrong word to use, on a different perspective. What Sam said earlier about the skills base, about the demand versus what we What supply, is being produced. Mm. Yes. That is true. That is, is, is very real. The data is there to point to it that we don't have enough, say... We're not matching corporate demands. For example, mm. which the JC companies are investing in. Mm. We, we don't have a lot of the skills that are required. Should the concentration then not be on what we have, not necessarily what we are getting? I've always said, I really think that South Africa needs to first self-introspect in terms of job creation, the economy, and what is currently being produced by institutions of higher learning, mm. uh -huh. because there is a great mismatch. Yes. Um, it cannot be that you are a young graduate 
with a qualification from an affluent institution like WITS mm. and you're sitting at home, but you had been told, go to school, study, get your qualification. There's definitely going to be a job for you because there's a market. And with markets, there's a demand. So you're generally going to get absorbed. Mm. So I, I really think that there needs to be... A, the university system needs to change. In a, the entire structure of yeah. education in this country needs yeah. to start feeding into the economic demands. And right now... SA is going on about the fourth industrial revolution um, and the kinds of skills that are needed. But when you're looking at universities, we're still going to university to study a BA in literature. I'm a BA student we are critical analyzers of society yes. so that's why we're here but yes. how many of us are sitting here mm. and how many of us does the university take in and how many does it turn out as graduates and then there's the great frustration of I am unemployable within the market demands mm. but also there's this frustration that um, and I know that government has now introduced um, a new system in dealing with this where as a young person you apply for a job but you can't get it because they need five years of experience. Yeah. Where are you getting that? The, yeah. And now government has introduced mm. a system to say, okay, you know what, Scrap absorb experience. them. Yeah, mm. in the public service though. In the, yeah, Where course, they're trying the to shed jobs. So those are the contradictions that yeah. we, we have to face. <laughs> and they've already <laughs> promised they want to shed jobs at the job summit, but <laughs> it's happening. Uh, Lozi, do you have something to say there? We're running out of time. So we're going to give you the last words now. We'll start with you, Lazi. Then, um, I mean, Mpo, and then we'll go to Lazi and then Sam. Yeah. I just think that there's so many promises in terms of jobs mm. um, and, and it allows for corporates to really exploit the relationship yeah. with, with the state, you know, knowing that there's this desperation for, for jobs. But also we need to go further and really critically think of the future of, of work. Globally, there's, you know, engagements around what kind of skills need to be produced to, mm. to match the changing mm. nature of society, right? Mm. In terms of technology, in terms of some of the developments that are taking place in the job market. South Africa is not doing that enough, I believe. But also we need to also, in terms of the conversation around universities and technicons and colleges, there's a conversation that needs to be had, even at individual level, where you need to question, why, why is it that you value a university degree better than um, a certificate. You know, certificate because it allows you, now you see this anger that I have a VITS degree, I was promised mm. a job and I don't have the job. You yeah. know, it, it makes you angry. So we need to rethink how we value knowledge, how we value education and how we value what it means to grow as a society. And that way you get to really take into account different kinds of skills that different people bring because now they are equally, at least equally looked at. Mm. My parting shot is very simple that as I had said before as young people nothing must happen for us without us. Finish. Look, it's, it's a difficult uh, situation, but I'd like to see more young people deciding what is it that they will do, considering that right now things are happening without them. Thank you to all of you guys for coming through, and thanks to you for listening to Politics Spitty Pitty. The EWN 2019 Elections Desk. In touch, in June, and in elections.